Hi everyone, it's been a while. In this episode, you get to know your host, me, a little better. Jade, who was featured on previous episodes, gets me to share a little information on myself and we discuss why the podcast has been on hold. As a trigger warning, I just wanted to let you know that in this episode, we talk about losing a loved one along with the grieving process. We also talk on the practicalities of planning a funeral. So I think it would be good to take a step back a little bit. And for those that haven't actually listened to your intro, which kind of like tells everyone a little bit about you, it would be really good to kind of go into, first of all, a little bit about yourself and I guess like what you do day to day. It's so weird being on the other side of this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So for those of you who may not have listened in the past, uh, my name is Christina. For the podcast, for some reason, I go by Emma. I'm 31 years old, due to be 32 this year. That makes me feel a bit sick. Not that oh I think it, not that I think it's old. I don't think it's an old age, but I just feel like I remember celebrating my 30th birthday and all of us getting down, you know, at yeah. brunch, and all of a sudden we're here. And I'm like, I'm going to be 32 this year. That sounds crazy to me. It's actually a bit of a joke. I live with my boyfriend. I've lived with him for three years. I currently work in the financial services industry in what we would now call a scale-up rather than a startup. I worked in retail uh, from about the age of 16 and then went into more of the office world in 2012, firstly within foreign exchange and then now just still in payments. Um, So yeah, I don't know if that's enough information about what I do. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good for your listeners to know a little bit more about you as a person. Um. Mm. We, haven't, we didn't really touch on your interests, but I guess part of your interest is falling into conversation. So yeah, what made you kind of, you, your day job is very different to this this role. So what made you start it? So me and my best friend, we started like a kind of hamper, gifting, favours, like a kind of, I don't know what the right word is for it, um, but let's, let's say a gift shop kind of business a while ago. And then we both started having different ideas of things that we wanted to do. And one of the things that I wanted to do was uh, create a platform that people could learn something, essentially. I love listening to podcasts. Like, I listen to quite a few, and I'm happy to go into some of the ones that I listen to. And I was like, you know what? This is something that I'd be interested in doing. And I feel like the topic that I want to do is a bit different to all of the podcasts that I listen to. So a lot of my the podcasts I listen to in the same week they do talk on some of the same stuff but I love it because it's different perspectives yeah I don't really follow a lot of celebrity or pop culture so I learn from those podcasts about what's going on and what the talk has been whether it's been on Clubhouse Twitter Instagram and some really important topics as well so we fall into conversation I wanted to create an a space where we could talk about day-to-day things but just talking about your day-to-day mental health how it affects you and just learning from one one another on from previous experiences because what might work for me might not work for sorry no what might work for me might might not work for someone else but there's someone else who is probably out there like me so I've got to the point where I'm like if it's one person who listens to an episode I'm happy with that I just want to be able to help someone and let people relate because a lot of the things we talk about and see online are all positive and you know it's what people aspire to be it's this like online highlight reel of living but we're going through it we've been going through it but we haven't been talking about it so I was like fall into conversation let's talk about it so you, you touched a little bit on the topic actually and um it'd be good for you to kind of explain you know what the focus of your your podcast is and then you know why why did you choose that as a topic um so I think you've touched it a little bit but like delving into it a little bit deeper well I say thought-provoking conversations touching on mental health I think I've said this before but mental health within the black community is still a bit taboo like it's a lot better it's getting better but it's still a taboo you know um I've said this before but having to be painted as the strong black woman all the time is bloody tiring Like I get sad too. I get upset too. I shouldn't have to just deal with everything that's thrown at me. Um, I don't know why the color of my skin makes that different, but also just, yeah, to have those conversations and, and open it up. I think for me, the reason why it became at the forefront of my mind is because maybe in about 2017, I really started to struggle with, um, imposter syndrome. 
um, leaving a company that I was very comfortable with and going into a company where I struggled I didn't really feel like I had anyone to turn to I felt like I had to get on with it and deal with it and just keep moving that I felt the way that I felt and I just thought why don't we talk about this it's like then when I would would mention it to a friend it's like oh my god me too I've been feeling like this and it's like well why don't we talk about that stuff but we're ready to talk about hey I got this new car or or you know even if you make moves in silence when they do come to the surface you're willing to talk about it and you're willing to you know celebrate those things but you can still celebrate getting through a hard time and talking about you know how far you've come a lot of the time we forget that where we are now is something that we prayed for something that we wished for but then we go you know well we've got it now so it shouldn't be hard no it is hard it's life so we should be able to just talk on those things and I think that's what I wanted to be able to do all the people I've had on my episodes so far all friends or someone you know that I know and I feel like I like that. I like that it's people that I can relate to that I feel like I've learned loads from who can touch on a normal everyday experience such as dating, but then relate it back to mental health. I feel like everything can be related back to your mental well-being and how you look after yourself. Yeah, I was actually talking to a friend about it today and I was saying I feel comfortable talking to Christina about my mental health uh, more so than anyone else. And that's because I feel like I'm not judged and I'm not viewed as weak because I'm telling you that I cried today because I might have cried yeah. but I picked myself back up in the same way um but sometimes it helps to kind of just talk about things and say like I cried a little bit today and like <laughs> I was yeah. not okay but I'm fine <laughs> now like I'm fine now but I cried a little bit and even like the sleeping and stuff I was telling my friends I was like yeah me and Christina was like messaging each other whatever time in the night saying yeah um I can't sleep and she was like is that healthy and I was like it's just someone in common like knowing that it's not just you alone <laughs> um so yeah I think the podcast really helps to, to have that topic of conversation mm. and like you say you're talking to your friends what are your thoughts actually so you've you've had a lot of friends as you said on the podcast what what's been your decision behind having family and friends as opposed to some podcasts kind of choose to have maybe like more well-known guests in the public eye I want to be honest like it's a bit of a mixture of of things right I feel like it's hard to reach out to people who aren't your friends in the first instance right they want to essentially want to see they want to know what you're you're about what you've got going for you they don't just want to be on your platform per se but the real reason why I started with my friends and I a lot of the planning that I did were my friends because I learned so much from my friends I really take pride in people that I choose to be friends with I really have learned a lot from my closest friends and I feel like I wanted to share that with people you know it sounds so corny but it's true like I I wanted to share that with people all the people that I've spoken to have either been like I said a friend or a friend of a friend and it's because I either think they're doing something amazing which needs to be shared some of them already have platforms so for example my cousin who did me and my disability her and her friends they have platforms they have loads of followers so it was no extra gain for them but I feel like we don't talk about disability in the black community as much as we probably should do but I just feel like the people that I've learned from I feel like there's so much to give and it's more so that they're people I have learned from directly they're people I've had close relationships with that I know that their story will touch someone I'm sure if I could get into the influencer realm there's also things they can share but I I don't it's gonna sound so downgrading but I did reach out to someone an influencer before and they were on board and then they changed their mind and is it because I hadn't offered a fee I would happily have offered a fee I just don't know what those fees are you know I I don't know what you know I don't know I don't know what I don't know but if they said hey what's your fees I would have asked what's your hourly fee yeah your rate or whatever but I just feel like there's no real reason other than the fact that I love my friends <laughs> and I feel like they they've got things to share and I'm willing to talk to anyone really who's got something to share and that's not too problematic oh too problematic I don't know if that's the right thing yeah but if someone came on here was just wilding out like trying to give me you know a reason why they don't like black people or they yeah, don't okay. like a race that's that's, that's not gonna be my jam yeah 100% do you think podcasts have helped um, others with their mental health so this this being one of them are others as well do you think it's actually something that helps um, the community the black community in particular I think so and the reason why I say that is because 
days when I haven't felt great and I've listened to podcasts, they've either really made me laugh. I'm not ashamed to say I've listened to podcasts and I've cried because out of just having something similar or even something so funny, like I've laughed with happy tears and I mean, I've cried with happy tears and I've cried like, because it was just so painful to know that this person's gone through something, but I'm also a very emotional person and I'm quite sensitive. So maybe I would cry more than somebody else would. But I think so because I've had quite a rough time recently and there's some key podcasts that I listen to that keep me going. And there's some that touch on mental health to the point where they talk about medication, where they talk about what therapists they use, where they do adverts and let you know about different variety of therapists and help that's out there, which I probably wouldn't have come across if I wasn't listening to those podcasts, you know? So I feel like it does help. And, you know, I've, I've had maybe one or two people or a few people reach out about specific episodes that have really resonated with them. And like I said, one person for me is enough. You know, it's not about, of course you want your podcast to grow and you want people to listen. But at the same time, it's more about understanding how this has touched someone. So like the journey with loss episode, I had a few people who have lost someone be like, oh, that was a really good episode. Even someone I know who was having a bit of a distance, distant relationship with their child was like, do you know what? That episode made me reach out to my child to to make sure that we're we're on the right path those kind of things it's like do you know how much that means like if something was going wrong and they can listen to someone that they do or don't know and go you know what that's going to make me change how I approach something that's amazing yeah I think as well with fall into conversation even though the topics are varied and you might assume that you know for example the first episode which was two mums I haven't got any children and like listening to it I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to relate to it whether I was going to be able to understand their point of view but somehow I did Mm. and as I've listened to more and more different episodes I've been able to even if I can't fully understand how they're feeling I've been able to understand their point of view and maybe I've felt a similar feeling but in a different different capacity Mm. so yeah it is really interesting how it touches on mental health it touches on different things but it's really relatable yeah you learn something from it and I think as well in terms of like mental health like I feel like being on the podcast has been really helpful Mm. like I don't know if you found it therapeutic because I certainly found it therapeutic being on it and then like touching on your point around listening to different ones yeah being a person that lives at home by herself like I sometimes listen to podcasts just so it feels like I'm not on my own yeah, exactly <laughs> which is a bit, I'm a bit sad <laughs> but like it helps so I imagine that your podcast has probably helped loads of people and also you started it during lockdown yeah which is um which is amazing in itself how do you think lockdown um has impacted the view so given that you started it in the first lockdown then we had a little bit of freedom and then we went back into lockdown has it listened has it impacted the uh, the listens sorry not the views that's a really interesting question because I have nothing to compare it to like I have nothing to compare it to and the reason I say that is because when I was listening to I'm not sure if it's no shade pod or black girls living but they had noticed when they were looking at their numbers that they weren't getting that many listens in that time. And it's because people weren't commuting. People usually listen to a podcast on their commute or on their drive and or on their walk. And fair enough, walking was happening, but you're probably now spending more of that time speaking to your friend on the phone um, because you're not meeting up with them on Saturday or after work, or you're not in the office with the people that you, you would talk to. So I have nothing to compare it to because... I've never known that world of how many listens I would have got if people were commuting and wanted to listen to my podcast. I'm also very conscious that because I don't have the most popular of topics, right? If you want a feel good day, you might not want to listen to an episode on toxic relationships. It's not a feel good topic, is it? It's a topic you're going to learn from. But, you know, if you're going to work and toxic relationships was your first episode, how are you going to feel for the rest of the day? So I've got nothing really to compare it to, but I think a good point that you said is you listen to the podcast because you live at home, not this particular podcast, but so you don't feel alone. And I think that's what I've, I've, I'm not seeing my friends. So when I listen to those podcasts, like the receipts, no shade pod, black girls living, sometimes I have it on loud and I'm responding 
like yeah girl that's Same. what I'm saying I can't believe Same. it and then I'm like oh girl they're not talking back up. to you you know yeah <laughs> I think that because I'll be I'll be walking I'll be doing my walk and I'll be listening to one of the podcasts and I will be cracking up laughing and there's cars driving past and people looking at me like is she okay yeah she's fine yeah I'm yeah. listening to um I'm listening to the podcast so more recently you've had to deal with your own mental health challenges and that's meant that you've had to take a break from all into conversation uh, and that's meant you kind of taken a step back how have you found that experience so firstly I would say just to give it a bit of context I'm the type of person and I've told my best friend this and I, I still call her my business partner like time and time again I said look when I start this podcast I know consistency is going to be a big thing like a big deal and you need to push through it. So one thing I want to highlight is because I do this podcast essentially by myself, as in I bounce ideas off of my friends. They obviously have their input. They 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 take time out of their evenings to record with me and so on. But the editing, the posting, the trying to keep up the engagement, I'm doing that on my own. And one thing I will always said is, um, which I say to um, my best friends like Sophia all the time, I say, look, I know me, if I miss a week, it's going to be hard for me to get back on just like when you're working out consistently or and you stop and you need to get back on it, it it's this for me it's the same kind of thing and I feel like I work in a really fast-paced environment so when at the end of the day if I haven't planned my week of what I'm going to post and how I'm going to engage it's really hard to keep the engagement up and keep a following whereas a lot of the podcasts I listen to don't get me wrong they've been doing it for years so they're a bit they're obviously well established but there's more of them so even if one person edits, people can repost. You, you're all quite known. You then get a following because you've got three different sets of friends or two different sets of friends and so on. So for me, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I know that now to keep it going. And that's why I think even my friend was the one who said to me, do every two weeks, don't do every week. Because I was going to do an episode every week. And a few people were like, do every two weeks. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And even that I've been struggling to keep up with that so that's the first thing just to give a bit of context that I put already had put that pressure on myself so more recently my dad passed away literally in January just gone a month today actually tell me why even though everything when that happens and everything's like in your mind is luck off you're like I ain't gonna do nothing I did in my mind I was like I don't want to post I do not want to post on my personal page I don't want to post on my podcast page. I was like, when am I going to go back to work? So that was already in my, on my mind. When am I going to go back to my actual paying job? How am I going to pick up this side project that I'm doing? It was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get back into this? And I remember that week being like, oh, I was supposed to have an episode out this week and I've got nothing pre-recorded, then I'm hitting myself going, I should have been more organized. I should have episodes set up just to come out on time and just be released. And it's like, I had spoken to my friends being like, okay, guys, this is the first episode of the year that I want to do. And I think people should get to know me a little bit better. And everyone was saying it to me, like your listeners probably need to get to know you a bit better because you do all these topics, but what do they know about you? So I'd planned it all out and that happened. And just finished my plans I sat there thinking will I even do the podcast again it's been so many weeks now you know I don't even have that big of a following if I'm honest but for me it's not about that right it's about being consistent like every time you listen to a podcast workshop they will shout be consistent you need to be consistent and it's just like how people expect you to be at work like people expect you to be consistent not not fall off yeah but that really rocked me and pushed made me not made me realize I already knew that things don't always go to plan but it was a big slap in the face that listen anything could happen at any time so either be prepared or be prepared to take a break and don't be so hard on yourself when you need to take that break yeah it, it's interesting what you say about consistency because because when I started listening to the receipts I think I discovered them maybe a year or two after they'd already been recorded and so I started from the beginning. Like, I don't know how I came across them, but I came across them. And I started listening from the beginning. And actually, it was really nice to listen to, like, a backlog of episodes mm-hmm. and hear their story. So mm-hmm. now when they're talking about things and they're talking about how they were four and then they became free, like, I know the story behind that because I've listened to it. So 
again like you're saying now you know your following is is a like a medium size small size following but actually you know for hopefully when you get bigger you've got that backstory of of things as well how have you got to the point of where you are today to get the courage to record today like what has been the, the steps that you've taken to deal with the loss of your father and you know record today so interestingly enough it's from a podcast episode I did so the podcast episode I did with Terence, um, which was my journey with loss, he said basically at the end, and I told him this when I caught up with him once I had gone back to work and everything, his statement really resonated with me that when someone passes, the harsh reality is that life still goes on. It is the harsh reality that life still goes on. And the way that you keep that person alive or uh, around is through their legacy. So if my dad was here, he'd be like, even though he did not know, when I told him I was doing a podcast, he had no clue what the hell I was talking about. But he would be like, do it. Like, you know, do well, push through. And he wouldn't have rushed me and said, you need to do it now. He would say, when you're ready. My dad's very easygoing. He was a very easygoing person. Like he'd say, when you're ready. So I feel like it hasn't been an easy month. Going back to work, the pandemic, planning a funeral planning the funeral that you didn't think you would need to plan like even when you know people are going to die you have it in your mind of how you would want to bury them but the pandemic doesn't even let you do that like the celebration of life that we would do being from a, a, a Ghanaian background we can't even do that so I don't think there's any right or wrong time I think some days I have the courage some days I have the feel to push forward and some days I don't and I let myself feel that. I think you, you know, I had a lot of people asking me, oh, you, you know, you sound okay or you don't sound okay. And it's like, I, I, I can't tell you what it is other than that message really resonating with me and me having my up days and me having my down days. It's been so tough. Like it's been tough relationship wise. It's been tough seeing, uh, you know, my mum cope the way she's coping some days she's up some days she's down but regardless I feel like I have to be there for her he's he's my dad but my mum has known him since all of her life so I'm not saying it's different it's not different I don't know if I'm making sense it's not different but I feel like I have to be there for her and the one time that I did cry in front of her she was like oh please don't cry and I was like okay you know I'm gonna stop I'm not I'm not gonna I I saw what that did to you so I'm not gonna do that (laughs) so yeah I would say that me it me just feeling like do th- like kind of do this for him do it for yourself but you done it at a time that you were ready so that's good enough yeah I hope that makes sense yeah it does I think you can only do things when you're ready and when you feel ready to do it mm. do you think in terms of your relationships so family friends boyfriend do you think they've been understanding of your situation do you think how do you think those relationships have changed as you've been trying to deal with this loss? I think the main thing is everyone's going through it. Like all of the loved ones that we've mentioned, whether it's my brothers, cousins, boyfriend, mum, we're all dealing with loss. And I think the biggest thing for me is we've all been dealing with it differently and appreciating those differences. Like, I can't expect my brother or brothers to feel exactly how I'm feeling, exactly when I feel it. You know, I think there's so many emotions when you're all going through it. Some days, like, honestly, the day it happened was obviously a very somber day and quiet and so on. But then the day after, my family were together, like, pandemic, yes, but it was like my mum is now a single parent household, if that makes sense, single person household, sorry. We were able to laugh that day. Mum, not so much, but me and my brothers were able to have jokes and togetherness, which was very, very important. But at the end of the day, no matter how you feel, when you go home, you are left with your thoughts. You are left with your feelings. And that's how you get to really revisit how you feel. So I think, I know your question was, um, how have they been like understanding to me? If we're talking about family, I would say 
we've respected each other's boundaries and space. I think in these situations, there's going to be high moments, but I think you really need to recenter yourself on what's important in that moment. And I think put your feelings to the side when everyone is going through it. Like your feeling is no greater than mine and my feeling is no greater than yours. So the pride has to come out of it. That's how I feel when it comes to that. I think relationship wise, it's been hard because I was very honest from the beginning and said, I can't be, I don't have the like affection in me right now. Equally, I don't want to push, don't want to push my boyfriend away at the same time. And a good example of this is I came across an Instagram page called The Grief Gang. And I really like it. Like, I think people would be like, oh, I wouldn't want to listen to a podcast about death. But when you're going through it, you kind of need someone to resonate with. And you you almost feel guilty talking to your friends about it. Not if they haven't gone through it, but maybe they don't want to hear about that today. They don't want to hear that you what you're going through to some degree. Obviously, people are there to listen, but you, I was conscious of, offloading constantly of you know the amount of people who said would message me and be like hey hey Chris how are you and I'm like I'm good thanks how it doesn't matter how I feel you know it's about you and I'm like no but I like to know how people are as well like I I just like to say how are you literally my cousin said it to me the other day she's like hey hey cuz how are you holding up I was like I'm good thanks how are you she's like honestly the way I feel is irrelevant oh god and I was like (laughs) I'm like listen if I didn't want to reply I wouldn't if I didn't feel like it's the right time to reply I wouldn't but I think yeah it's been testing because I do want to feel like myself I do want to feel 100% I do want to be the normal bubbly version of me but it's a lot do you think the pandemic has made it because one of the things that made me take a step back and think was my friend's um mum passed away back end of last year uh it wasn't covid related but um she died she died or passed away during the pandemic and so ordinarily in the caribbean community and you touched on this a little bit about the african community but like in the caribbean community you would have a nine night like you for nine nights you would visit that person's house you would drink you would pray you would play music you would bust jokes and you would do that for nine nights and that's part of the grieving process is coming together as a community, as a family, as, as yep. friends to exactly. deal with that. And the pandemic is like, no, you can't do that. And it's like immediate family only. And then not only that, when you're planning the funeral, it's 30 people. Our funerals mm-hmm. are not small. Like nope. my nan's funeral over 200 people at my nan's funeral, easily over 200 people at my nan's Easily. Nan's, like the fam- easily. family cards alone, my nan had six children. So family cards alone with their children as well was, was ridiculous. So yeah, like how do you think the pan- do you think the pandemic has made it worse, especially for the black community who oh tend my. to like get together? Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, I think that's what my mum struggled with the most, right? And I get it. Like I remember my friend's uncle died and it was like as soon as I this not recently this was back in like 2018 2018 I finished work went straight there the house was full it got to the point where when you started to go to that house it was set up like a hall like there was chairs for just when people come there's somewhere to sit like it was lined up yeah they had a we had a we had a whole prayer room like a whole room that was just for the church community and then you had the drinkers (laughs) in the back (laughs) Yeah, it's like lined up and then you have people in the kitchen who want to drink. You might have people from the church who don't drink. Like, it's like a proper, you know, and like I took my mum there. My mum had never met the wife of the uncle, but my mum was like, I want to pay my respects. I had taken her there. She sat down, you know, spoke about everything, wished her well and so on. My mum's, no, my mum's brother and sisters live in Ghana. If this was a normal time, they they would have flown down come over spent time with her cooked for her but what she had is her children living with her essentially again being like mum have you eaten mum have you had a drink her sisters would have known what to do right we know what to do obviously to some degree 
but traditionally maybe we don't have all the things that we need to people would come around people would bring drinks people would prep you for the uh, the funeral the the food all that kind of stuff none of that no one could come I think maybe a couple of aunties came and dropped stuff outside you know like and then we take it in and then my mum would get the containers or the the pots ready for when they they can come and collect it again and I think she really struggled with that um but then there was some days when she was like oh you know it's it it's given me space you know because naturally I don't know if this happens in in Caribbean uh households when when someone has passed but usually get people who come and they're just wailing you might not even know them they're like a friend of a friend of a friend and sometimes (laughs) yeah sometimes it can make it worse oh gosh yeah you're like oh man you know I wasn't expecting this but I do think yeah I think it made it harder losing someone is not easy regardless but losing someone like you said and you know one thing people would drop we people dropped us water uh, people dropped us uh, super malt, a load of super malt. Just like that, yeah, I would say definitely the togetherness and having people round and your support networks. Like one thing, you know, cutting down a funeral of how, I don't know how many people would have been, you know, honestly, because my dad is was well known for the things that he did in Ghana. I don't know how many people we would have had. But one thing I mentioned to my brothers is, it's not about us, but like we are mum's support network, but to some degree, what about her sisters, her family, her friends that would, could have come from Ghana or who could have actually come to the house or, you know, and seen her in that time, spent time with her, stayed round and so on. I can't even have my support network, my friends who were close to my dad or knew my dad. I don't have them around me. My Same for my brothers, people, my brother, you know, my both of my brothers have friends who known dad and would like to be there. There's probably some people who still don't know just because it's not, you know, me and my brothers haven't posted on social media or anything like that. So there's still people who don't know and who you have to have that initial conversation with. They're like, oh, his parents. And you're like, oh, sorry to actually tell you my my dad's died and no one tells you what to do when if when this happens yeah. so it was like my dad died and then it was like oh should we call this person do we call that person do we need to contact this person and also we have a, a step um a half sister who lives in America so it was like trying to also communicate with her and find out her needs and wants and then make sure that she can update people I think it's weird because I've learned so much from this happening that I think you should kind of get taught a little bit like about funerals and what to look for and the cost of a a funeral and how you prepare things because honestly it's like how we always say oh they they should have taught saving and mortgages in schools because it's so morbid people don't want to talk about it but honestly it can put you so behind and I've learned so much from just calling up uh cemeteries and understanding how much it is to bury someone and you know that they dig graves for two and like all of these things that because it's not your day-to-day you don't think about it I have to admit I've learned things through you so when my nan passed away I was about 14 um and so I was close I was close it's always been me and my mum so I was quite heavily involved in whatever she was helping to involve for the funeral I was helping to involve and then when my granddad passed when I was 19 same thing but obviously those were that was years ago and now you've been saying certain things and I can relate to some things like you know when you, you spoke about like the cost of the grave like I remember us getting my nan's plot and that sounds horrible to say but it's a plot essentially and then you can have like three people Mm -hmm. in the plot um and like I know that you like we assigned like my obviously my nan went in there but then my granddad was still alive so we assigned him as the next person that would go in there even though he's not already he's not even dead yet and then it's like who's the third person going to be so then my cousin I don't even know why I think it was a is a, a borough thing but like my cousin got assigned to the next person to be in the plot so he gets a space which is so like it's, it's crazy weird. how do you think I feel when my mum's sitting there and yeah. then they're like yeah. the, the lady's like yeah we just we dig the graves for two you know if you want if you need someone to go on top of <laughs> and I was like I was like mum uh just checking like would would you like to be buried on, on, on top of dad and she was like yeah you know I don't see why not and I was like you don't know if, you, like you don't know you like you don't know yeah. <laughs> Well, if your asking is going to trigger the person or but it's a question that 
they know like she was like oh do you want a u grave or a v grave? i was like huh? um this is my this is my first time doing this yeah. would you mind explaining what yeah. those options are you know obviously code switching but that kind of stuff like to understand I don't know what you're saying to me. This is my first time. And then it's like you sign papers. It's like, oh, now you're the owner of the grave for a lease of X amount of years. And I'm like, sorry, pardon what? Yeah. Like there's so much. I'm so grateful that I've been through this. Not so that I can tell my friends what to do, but if they ever wanted to ask, I can answer with what I did. Doesn't mean you've got to do it, but this this is what I know. What would you tell people that they need to think about? So one of the things I know you mentioned, and it's not just about the funeral, it's also about whilst your parents are alive. So one of the pieces of advice that I took from you is about life insurance. So 100%. I, off the back of your advice, I was like, mum, I had already asked her about two weeks before because I listened to a podcast and they spoke about life insurance for your parents. I said, what type of life insurance you got? She's like, I don't know. I said, what, how much do you get paid? I don't know. So anyway, after we had our conversation, I looked into it. 5K when she passes away. I said, mum, what am I going to do with 5K to bury you? <laughs> I said, listen, I need more than that. I was like, you've got debts that I need to pay off. Listen, don't be leaving me in no, in no situation. She, no, but seriously, on a serious note, I have now got my mum to change her life insurance. And um, I can't remember what the, so, so my mum's got a, a condition which means that it limits like the it yeah. makes it more expensive basically and obviously yeah. she's older as well so you know they really con people that are older you know um, yep exactly and so she's got a higher limit now but that means that when she passes away and um, not like god forbid anytime soon, soon, soon yeah I get a bigger amount I'm like okay cool mm-hmm. I can deal with that so what else would mm-hmm. you from you know life insurance you touch on that a little bit what else would you tell people that they need to think about Honestly, I even asked my parents last year. I said, what life insurance do you have? When all this pandemic stuff was kicking off, I was like, no, 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 no. What life insurance do you have? Um, And do you know what? It's not a selfish thing. I know we spoke about, you know, the debts and stuff, but it's also making sure that you can honour what they want. Like if they've got a will and stuff, you want to be able to honour what they want. And I think that's a really important thing. So definitely understanding um, what they want you know, do they have a will? Do they update it often? Because you could write a will years ago and change change your mind. You could change properties, anything. So just making sure it's up to date. It's like we do skirt around the conversation because we're like, oh, we've got years to come and stuff. It made me think about me. I'm only 31. Anything can happen. There's someone who was running down the road here recently. He hadn't. He was 30 and he crossed the road. He got knocked over and killed at the scene, you know? And it's like, did do you did he have a will? Did he know what he want? Did he know what he you know he wanted? And I feel like, so I would say yeah, definitely life insurance. Um, understanding maybe not all debts that your parents have, but just what accounts they have, or maybe what debts they have. Obviously, I get it. Like when you're growing up, especially we've said in the black community, a lot of people say that their parents didn't teach them about money. It's like I'm the parent, I will do what I need to do for you. You, um, you know, you're under my roof kind of situations. But we have to remember that the tables turn when our parents get older or if they have a condition and you're the one taking care of them. So you want to make sure the same way that they wanted to be there for you, you want to be there for them. So, you know, pensions, what pensions do you have? What happens if your 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 who's the next of kin who do they want to be the executor of the will like there's all of these things that we don't talk about and it makes the grieving process a lot harder because you can lay someone to rest but all the things come after that or if you're lucky all the things go before that my dad died on the 17th of January and with the funeral directors we went with we're not burying him until the 10th of March right but anything can happen like anything can happen at any time so it's made me even start thinking you know what when I get older I want a funeral pot fair enough I have insurance but a funeral pot that my kids my next of kin my husband sorry can go in there and use that money and knows exactly what I want and knows how to fulfill it I know that there's an element of shame if you have got financial issues 
if you don't want to be a burden to your children but I really do encourage people to have those conversations because laying someone to rest you want it to be a restful experience um so yeah I mean I'm not the expert of this this is just based on my experience and just the things that I've learned from talking to people and understanding how the funeral go how funeral processes go um bloody the plot is expensive man I didn't even know and also one thing that I learned that I've been sharing with everybody that I can is that if you die right and you want to be buried in a different borough it costs more you get charged a non-residency fee a non-residency fee like to say you're a living person paying a mortgage no it is it's bloody funny it's bloody funny because I don't understand I get it but come on and also did you know you pay for death certificates no you pay for death certificates so I told my cousin this the other day and she was like sorry what and I said yeah you pay per certificate it's a right now in 2021 I paid 11 pounds per death certificate oh gosh and you need that for certain things as well like you need a death certificate to close accounts like uh, have conversations with mortgage like lenders etc etc you need all that stuff just to clarify that point though that I kind of like shouldn't have laughed but was interrupting with a little bit no, of laughter because we're trying to make fun out we're trying to make light out of a difficult of situation a yeah yeah of course was if you are can you explain that point again sorry because I I don't think I fully okay you there so if you are from the borough I'm going to use examples here yeah if you're from the borough of Barking and Dagnum and you do not want to be buried in the borough of Barking and Dagnum and you want to be buried in Redbridge you want to be buried in Havering. Which could be five minutes down the road as well. Yes, exactly. You will pay extra to bury the person in a borough that they did not reside in when they died. That's wild. The only time that can, from what I understand, when I spoke to um, a few funeral directors, is the only time that can be kind of wavered is if the person was in a home at the time that they died. So if they were, uh, yeah, in a home in uh, Havering and that's the borough you wanted to bury them in because maybe when they're at the home, they visited parks, forests and so on and you knew that they loved the area, you could do that. But you can't do that. You can do it, but you just pay extra for it. There was something else about the boroughs that's going to really bug me now. But yeah, and also... Another thing that I learned is gravestone, like a headstone. Headstone, headstone, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I kept saying tombstone. Um, you don't necessarily buy that at the time of the burial. You buy that like yeah, way after. Words. Yeah. Yeah, like way after because you have to let the soil. Yeah. I didn't know that from my nan and granddad. Who knew? I know. But who knew? But who knew? And then even, remember we had this conversation about the headstone you can kind of do it in advance. So you can do like, this person's passed away and we're waiting for the partner to pass away. So like, <laughs> we're going to do the headstone, but we're going to do it in half. Yeah. So we'll have their picture, but we know soon come a few years, we're going to have your picture. It's insane to me. Yeah, it's wild. It's insane. Oh, also, another thing I learned, sorry, I can listen. Another thing I learned is during COVID, so one of the processes to preserve the body for the funeral if you wanted to have an open casket or just for viewing beforehand is embalming so with embalming it's essentially this is might be a lot but I'm just going to say anyway it's essentially they take the blood out of your body and put in a different like fluid this is my understanding of it in order to preserve you so there might be there might be more to it obviously but I thought they just just covered them in something because of covid not all funeral directors are doing that you know, that's not happening. And the last thing I want to say on it before I get too too deep is you have to have picked a funeral director in order for the hospital to provide your funeral director with a green form which releases the body into their care. And until you have a funeral director, that bit doesn't happen. The body would just stay in the hospital. I've come to terms with it and yes I've cried and yes I have my days but honestly yeah I I would encourage anyone to just have it just talk to someone honestly listen to the grief gang I think it's the grief gang and the grief case 
they have really good stories on things and you know what's helpful to say to someone who's lost someone and what's not really helpful but you have to always take those things with a pinch of salt because what might be helpful for me might not be helpful to someone else and vice versa yeah I think you've taken the um I wouldn't say you've you've looked at it in a positive light but I think you've definitely dealt with it by one talking to people and being honest about how you're feeling so like not pretending that you're okay on certain days like some days I'm not okay and I think as me personally as a friend to you that's been helpful to know when to back away um and leave you to have your space because not every day do you want to have the same conversation with 10 different people um Mm. but then you've also used it as an experience to learn from and share with others which I, I I can't help but think so highly of you and applaud you for because you're saying like guys I don't want you to be in the same position that I was in where I didn't know any of this information so I really want to share with you all the things that I've learned from this experience so that it isn't as terrible for me um sorry for you as it was for me Mm, exactly and I just think I think out of all of my friends uh my dad had one two three four four of my friends that he was the closest with because they were my closest friends like from primary school from secondary school and I only saw one friend like over that period and it's like I looked at her and I felt sorry for her that she had lost him and that's mad to me I was like one in particular that was my dad's best friend and so I was just like talking to her I just broke down you know like I was just like oh my god I can't this is like when they're together they just laugh and he's the same with um well I'll say their names like Sophia Natalie Natasha and Rochelle like they are his codies like that's that's his girls and so I every time I spoke to them initially it was just like oh my god like how must they feel for me if I feel that way for them and I just think I don't want to be that person who says life's too short or anything like that and there's nothing wrong with saying that but just if there's something you want to do just do it like honestly and I was saying that even with the podcast it's like I was like who's gonna listen I can tell you now right when I was like I'm gonna do this podcast it was Easter back bank Easter weekend like bank holiday weekend good Friday Easter Monday I had nothing to do, pandemic, it was hot. I was like, I'm going to get a logo done. I want to do this. I'm going to launch this. And then when the microphone came, I ordered from Amazon. When the microphone came, I said, what the hell is this? I recorded so many times, I sounded terrible. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm just going to do it. And I don't know where it's going to take me, but at least you've done something you want to do. So that's all I can say, really. Just, yeah, please. I don't want anyone to, like you said, I feel like, there's so much more I can learn and funerals are going to change over over time it doesn't make it easier I have my days for sure I have my moments for sure I, I had a moment the other day and I was just randomly was just like something so small and then I started crying and then I was like why did he have to die now and it's like why is that relevant but it was just like it felt so much harder because I was like why now and it's like it doesn't matter actually when it would have been it would have yeah. still been hard so yeah I get it I just feel like guys man we we need to do our research like we can't always be waiting for something to happen until we realize that is something that we should know a bit earlier so yeah and what do you think as a kind of takeaway point or do you think has helped you the most during this period of loss so this is a hard one because like you're a friend of mine that doesn't have any siblings and when I say this I even know people who have siblings and this wouldn't be their answer but my brothers it our family and our family unit has helped me through this especially the closest of family that I call who are friends and not actually blood relatives everyone 
you know, reaching out saying, let me know what I can do. There's nothing I can say that I think you can do. I don't want to put that on anyone. I don't want to like force that on anyone, even though I know people are there. I just think family and your closest friends, your friends that you call family, just friends. My work have been great, like have been so, so, so supportive. And there's people who don't have a, a supportive work, working culture. There's people who don't have supportive family and supportive friends. So really, I think that answer is very individual to you and what you know your support network to be. Even if that's someone you met yesterday and that's what it is for you, I personally feel like it's very individualistic. There's some people who really like it when people say, let me know if there's anything you can do because they're able to tell you what they need but there's some people where it's like I can't tell you but they will remember you were there and I'm also the person who you don't need to call me every day you don't need to message me every day and I will know that you were there like you know I think one of the things I noticed really quickly is that when you tell people they're not going to be normal with you you're going through a tragedy but if you're anyone like me, I was like, guys, please don't stop the chats in, in the group chats. And I was like, oh, God, like if I didn't tell people. Like if I didn't tell people. They would have acted normal. And then when they would have found out, they'd have been like, why didn't you tell me? I was talking so much shit. And you're like, no, but sometimes that's comforting. Sometimes it lets you know that this is life and it's going to move forward and you're going to be OK. Whereas if everything stands still, you're like, this is how it's going to be forever. So I, I really do think that I, all I can say for me was very individual. Like some moments I wanted this, some moments I wanted that. Like some moments I wanted to voice note my friends and some moments I wanted to lay there. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not making sense anymore. So I'm going to shut up. No, I think, I think, I don't think it was not making sense. I think yeah, yeah. I think yeah. your point is essentially that it's it's individual to each person, so you can't necessarily say what what's going to work for them is going to going to be saying that works for you and vice versa. Exactly.